everyone. Welcome back to the 16th episode of the Drunk Friend Podcast. For the new and uninitiated, we're just a couple of YouTube guys. I'm Travis of Nest Friend, joined by Alex, Snest Drunk. Alex, how are things going with you these days, man? Uh, just trying to hang in there. Um, taking a little bit of a break from the YouTube thing, actually. Uh, it just felt like it was time, I guess. Uh, wasn't a lot of energy or motivation, I guess. Um, and really, this is kind of a time of year thing for me. Summers, especially in New Mexico, have a way of like really sapping your energy entirely. And yeah, I just, I, you know, it was the day before and I was like, Thursday's video is not done. And I started to feel stressed about it. And it's like, okay, I'm going to stop myself right now. I'm not going to force a video out there if I'm not feeling it. So it's just like, you know what, maybe I should, you know, I, I don't think I've missed a Tuesday since, uh, t what, 2014, I think. So yeah, they're probably, they're, in all likelihood, there's not going to be a Tuesday video. In fact, I plan on not playing a single video game this whole uh, weekend. This is we're recording this on a Fourth of July weekend, but um, or I mean the day before the observed holiday Fourth of July. So most of us uh, out there are working stiffs have uh, Friday off. So American working stiffs, I should say. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But but um, yeah, no, I I just uh, wasn't. You know, I don't want to force it. I was gonna do. Uh, I had a list of arcade games. I have a huge list of arcade games that I wanted to do, and I was just like, I don't. I'm just not feeling it, so I need to. T I think I need to take a break. I think I might. If if I'm starting to feel stressed, then I don't want to. I don't want to mess with that. This shouldn't be stressful. No doubt, man. Good for you. That's that's really solid. That's good to to realize that and take the break. I mean, I think the worst the worst thing for any of us being uh, admirers of your work is to see you get burnt out and and really make it a stressful thing. So yeah, definitely step back, take a deep breath, and collect yourself and um and yeah man i think it's interesting though because when we started the podcast i was I, and i still am blown away by the fact that it's been six seven years and you've you've not missed a release schedule or a release date and you've been doing it twice a week for the longest time so i mean your track record is impressive it is kind of like ending cal ripkin's streak but i don't think it's going to be beat <laughs> <laughs> you know playing through all those injuries with like sprained typing fingers and yeah it's uh and do you and have the, um you know how cal ripkin had like the the hat hair do you have like headphone hair do you have a bald spot i right definitely the yeah I, de I definitely do <laughs> a bald spot i definitely do uh have when my hair gets long i get the indentation uh around my ears and it looks pretty ridiculous it's definitely a uh, headphone hair uh, to, <laughs> especially since I wear these like noise canceling, oh yeah, you know, like, uh, things that are, uh, you know, they squeeze the old, give the skull an old a good squeeze. So yeah, no doubt, dude. I have uh, also been neglecting getting a haircut through through this, you know, what this. Well, <laughs> this is this is another side story. I was listening to this webinar for work, and this lady kept calling what we're all experiencing as the COVID times, and um. <laughs> She kept saying it, and it kind of kept cracking me up. She was like, these COVID times are just, I haven't seen times like this since 9-11 times, these COVID times. And that, it was just kind of <laughs> cracking me up. But, um, man, where was I going with that? Oh, what yeah. What an awkward way of phrasing it, COVID times. It the sounds COVID like a newspaper times. or yeah. something, yeah. Yeah, that's how it's going to, she's going to reference it like that forever, <laughs> back in the COVID times. 
But uh, but I was going to mention, yeah, I haven't had a haircut through these COVID times, and my corn mullet, it's it's about to turn a corner. It's oh, about man. to hit. You, you're going full, you're going full. Uh, what's that Oklahoma State coach's name again? Mike Gundy. Yeah, I'm going full Mike Gundy. Yeah, yeah. I'm holding out. I'm holding on to a pretty good Nash Bridges right now. Um, <laughs> I'm looking. For, I'm like a like a young MacGyver. But all right, I'm, all right. I'm saying like in the next month, look out. Yeah, you got to go with the dry look, like the '70s. Uh, yeah. you got to you got to kind of tease it up front a bit, like MacGyver did. Yeah, definitely. Because I am, I'm actually thinning out a little bit in the front, so I got you know, I kind of have to make up for that by teasing it. Otherwise, I I just I kind of look like I'm having a bit of a skullet, which you don't want. That's the bad one. <laughs> sure, you do. <sighs> that's that's like, uh, do you remember that ESPN commercial with John Clayton? Where he's in his <laughs> yeah. he's in his room, and he uh, he's got the it, it, he turns around and you see he actually you know he's he's bald classic right. male pattern baldness but he's got like a big ponytail and he's in his room listening to Slayer. That's one of my like favorite that. ESPN commercials ever. Oh, it cracks me up. Yeah, it's so <laughs> John Clayton. He's like this old dude that looks like kind of <laughs> like the Crypt Keeper. Yeah, he's he's up there shouting at his mom from his room. Man, I remember Funny. before COVID times when we had sports and I watched ESPN. I know, right? Um, speaking of getting sick, though, the other day seemed, seemed like you had a rough time. Oh, yeah. I was uh, sweating to the oldies for sure. A little <laughs> bit of a, a thing, a, a bug, I guess. I think it was the food I had. I had never had a burger from this place before, and I was like, I feel like a burger. The burger did not feel like me, though. So um, it, it, I had a rough time last night so we call that a michael jordan game six in it yeah 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 the, the old flu game even though yeah he did technically have uh it was like uh, 61 points or something food food poisoning no i don't think he went that crazy i think he was he went like 45 10 and 6 or something like that Still, i mean if you he, add all those numbers up there you go 61 yeah. Oh, well, yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> you were just going for the for the all stats yeah not just the yeah stats. didn't he have 61 numbers near his name after that game <laughs> pretty incredible yeah yeah man that's uh that that was not fun i've only had food poisoning a few times and yeah it's like an all-day thing for me because i don't know my body just does not enjoy being you know it's it's almost like i I don't like being sick wow it's you're one of a kind weird weird how it works like that but uh (laughs) yeah big if true as they say all right speaking of big we have four pretty girthy emails that we're going to read you today that came girthy. through to the uh drunk friend podcast at gmail.com Gir- girthy and frothy oh yeah Did very frothy's imagination going <laughs> yeah but hey speaking of frothy though before we get going are you drinking anything oh no i'm, I'm going with water today that's yeah. I, gotta, I gotta lay off the uh the you should probably rehydrate yeah ex- exactly yeah i've this is probably a glass of water number eight or nine, I think. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, just water for me. What about you? I'm drinking a, just a regular old Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Oh, that's good. Yeah, just they have run of the quality mail. stuff. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I, I got the. Uh, I've been man, I've been going deep on variety packs. So something about summertime and just having a bunch of weird options in the fridge is good. But um, I just the random pull just got me the old regular, yeah, green label Pale Ale. But hey, it's pretty yeah. good. I, it's just most most of those summer beers are wheat beers, and I just can't do those. So that's true. I yeah. stick with my usual uh, <laughs> harsh, dark, you know, twelve percent beer. 
Gosh. So, uh, seems like everything's out to get you, man. The, the New Mexico heat, the burgers down there, wheat. Are you even meant to live? I don't, well, I've been saying, you know, and my allergies are acting up, which is weird for July and June and summer in general. And I've always thought, you know, the, the earth just wants me dead at this <laughs> point. It's just, it's, it's doing everything it can to make sure that I uh, just, you know, drop dead, you know, one day <laughs> and because of all the pollen in the air, the ragweed. The big thing for me is ragweed. That stuff just destroys me, like... Wow, I, I don't know if it's even in New Mexico or how close it is. Um, <laughs> it's in Missouri, but you're still getting a hit off of it when the wind blows. Oh, for sure, yeah, because um, it's uh, you know there's there's mountains here. There's Sandia Peak right to the east of us, but um, there's not a whole lot of trees. You know, it's the high desert, so there's a lot of flat land. So when it when the wind blows, it really freaking blows. It gets it can get really windy here, and you're getting stuff coming from all over. Uh, there was a fire not too long ago near Teharis, I think, and they uh, we were getting the smoke from it, and that's like a freaking forty-five, you know, like an hour drive. Like I don't even remember how how far it is, but wow. yeah, and that was irritating my eyes and my my sinuses and stuff. So yeah, the the earth wants me dead. That's that's about it. Well, welcome back to old man talking about the weather again. We always get there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get to some emails. Uh, first one here. This is, uh, I think, this is from one of your longtime uh, watchers, uh, yeah, viewers, Robert. Uh, I don't want to butcher his last name. Auguste Meyer. Sorry, buddy. He's he's a very cool guy who's been around a long time. Yeah, I mean, uh, I see his name a lot. He's very recognizable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he says greetings, sort of drunk friends. I'm currently playing the long-awaited Final Fantasy Restored slash Rebalanced by Astral Esper. She's an old-school Final Fantasy ROM hacker who sure knows how to take her time. And it's really good. I was wondering if you two, and perhaps Pearl, are also into Final Fantasy ROM hacks, and which ones you like the most. Oh, in case you didn't know, the Final Fantasy NES message board on GameFAQs is still alive and kicking, often discussing the many versions of the original. All your base, Robert. Then he goes on to say here at the end, speaking for myself, I would prefer to hear your podcast more easily via YouTube because I love reading comments. And good news, Robert, uh, the Drunk Friend YouTube channel is up and going, although it will remain s- several episodes behind the the uh, the up-to-date podcast feed. But if you prefer to get them that way, you can. You'll just have to wait. But anyway, what do you think about these ROM hacks? I'm not too familiar with NES ROM hacks. It, it is on my list of stuff I want to get to. And it's funny that uh, Robert brought this up because he himself has a uh, Final Fantasy ROM hack that he has uh, authored himself. Oh, I, wow. I'm trying to find the name of it myself. I'm really sorry, Robert. Write us back and tell us the name of it so we can <laughs> so we can promote it properly. Yeah. Um, because uh, I, I for have... a plug, but very cleverly. Good job. <laughs> I have it written down. I just don't remember which. You know, my my uh, SNES drunk folder is a mess of uh, uh, just notes and stuff like that of stuff I've written down or t- stuff I've typed out like Notepad files and stuff. And his uh, my ROM hacks one for NES is is one of them, and his is like the first on the list. But um, yeah, I I'm not. I can't say I'm too familiar with. Uh, 
uh, most NES ROM hacks, to be honest with you. Um, but I will say that it does definitely sound interesting because it's Final Fantasy Restored Rebalanced. And I'm, I love those kind of hacks because it's like taking, you know, it's almost modernizing an older game. I'm wondering what they what they changed exactly. I'm guessing the far fewer uh, random battles just to make things easier oh, yeah. for people. Um not sure what else would would have been changed, but that seems like the most obvious one for me. But you're the NES expert. Have you? Do you have any? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, that caught me off guard. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> but uh, what, yeah, what, have you played many ROM hacks for good old no, NES? No, not at all. Not at all. I'm I'm still. You know, the the whole channel's devoted to just making my way through the licensed and some of the unlicensed stuff. So I've not I've not uh, you know experimented outside of that and in general i'm a final fantasy noob very light experience with the first i have played it some and i think i've actually gotten pretty far i've just not finished it and um play you know the only one i've actually ever beaten is the number two on the snes which i guess is technically four or i don't know number the numbers are yeah weird. Um, you are correct that is accurate right right so uh yeah i'm definitely i'm not an expert there i'm sorry robert but it does sound cool and if I ever do dip into that, at least I know I have a good resource, so that's good. Yeah, romhacking.net has a ton of stuff. Um, any there, certain games have their own websites. Like I know the uh, Link to the Past uh, Randomizer has their own site with all sorts of different things and combinations you can do. Um, like you oh, can wow. combine the game with Super Metroid, so you can flip <laughs> between the two games. It's crazy the stuff that people make. So. Big fan of ROM hacks. I, I'm just not all that familiar with uh, a lot of NES ones. I know Castlevania is one that's received quite a few, and I kind of vaguely recall a Castlevania NES ROM hack from a long time ago that uh, was pretty dang good, really impressive. But, uh, yeah, huh. that's, that's something on my list i got to get into for sure. Cool. Well, thanks for that email, Robert. You, you've given us both something to think about. So... We got another email here. It says, uh, hey, y'all, Chris from Kansas City again. My last question was pretty skewed heavily toward Alex, so this time I'll direct my question more toward Travis. I'm not the biggest fan of the NES. I certainly respect it, but it's one of my smallest collections because I have a hard time playing those games, either due to difficulty or lack of interesting gameplay. I've got the must-haves like Mario and Kirby, etc., and 1942-1943, despite me being terrible at shoot 'em ups well, what games would you suggest to an NES noob like myself that aren't terribly gif- difficult and are also fun to play? Huh. Well, thank you for thinking of me on this podcast, Chris. I really do appreciate it. Um, you're not the biggest fan of the NES. You know, it breaks my heart. But uh, <laughs> you put me in a tough spot because it's sometimes hard to teach an old dog even older tricks, you know. But <laughs> I, I do have a list of a few that you might enjoy. They're not too tough. And a few are really more enjoyable multiplayer. And these are ones mm. you won't find on everyone's shelf, per se. So they're not like ones that people are always talking about. But I think they're fun and they're still very affordable. Uh, one would be Kickle Cubicle. It's a pretty fun... Oh, yeah. Yeah, That's sort of top-down puzzle game. Um, yep. It sounds kind of kitty and all that, but it's a good challenge. Uh, music's good, looks good, it's fun. Uh, another one is Jackal. I think that's a must-have if you have someone else to play with, especially. It's a great, a great two-player game, Alex. I think you also like Jackal quite a bit. Yeah, it's I, I, it's probably a top twenty NES game if I had to, if I had my druthers 
Yeah. Um, by the way, when I originally did a video on Jackal, I, I, I kept calling it a tank, I think, uh, the vehicle, and everybody was like, it's a Jeep. It's a Jeep. It's a Jeep. So I, I just like sunk into it and kind of leaned into it and pinned a comment at top like, let me know if you think this is a Jeep. Like the the 400th person to point this out that this is a Jeep will win nothing, you know, or something like that. And to this day, I still have this, some guy that like shows up every once in a while in the comments and he ends his comments with P.S. It's a Jeep. <laughs> so I really enjoyed that. <laughs> but yeah, Jackal, Jackal is awesome. And it, it is two player and it's that much more fun with a second player. Yeah, it's a great time. Um, now I'm thinking if I ever get the Jackal, if I should troll everyone by calling it a tank, uh, to you know, as a wink, or uh, you know, not make the same mistake and go Jeep. We'll see. Maybe I'll call it something else, like a horse with wheels. See what people say. <laughs> um, Kabuki Quantum Fighter. That's another one that I think is oh, yeah. it's it's kind of gaining traction just because it's kind of weird and people are discovering it. Because what does that even mean? But it is a lot of fun. It is of the more challenging ones, I think. But uh, definitely an unsung good action platformer on the system also that's the that's the headbanging game yeah yeah it's pretty sweet whip your hair around like uh jason newstead and metallica there you go and perfect and we'll talk about him later (laughs) um dragon spirit that's another one you're uh it's an arcade Mm. port but you're just a you're a dragon flying around shooting stuff it's pretty fun good it's a shoot 'em up but i think it's pretty accessible and the last one i'll list is gorilla war and uh the reason i like it is because it's it's infinite continues, so I mean you can get through it, but also it looks good, it plays good, and it's like Akari Warriors if it were more forgiving. So mm. it's a pretty good time. A lot of cool, a lot of cool power ups, weapons, also fun two player. So that would be my yeah. list of five to say, hey, these are affordable, they're not difficult, and um, pretty easy to find. But you didn't list out things like Punch Out Contra, River City Ransom. If you don't have those, you should definitely put those in the library. For sure. Yeah, I was gonna say Ducktales, Ducktales, even, yeah, even Darkwing Duck, uh, yeah. some of the Capcom Disney stuff, or even some of the Capcom stuff like Little Nemo, yeah, um, is interesting. Yeah, but, I was trying to go a little off the beaten path, but yeah, you should. There's yeah, some no, mainstays out there that are solid. What was that Dragon Spirit? Dragon Spirit. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. you haven't seen it uh, with your arcade pillaging. No, I I have not. It sounds like that would if it's an NES arcade port, then that probably goes back to late 80s i'm guessing so yeah 87 yeah yeah 87 yeah then i'm not as familiar with that era gotcha. of arcade gaming right on that means you have a lot more videos to do <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> get to work <laughs> get working right now but yeah all right thanks for that email chris we really appreciate it uh our next one here is uh from he only goes by the or he or she only go by the initials sk very mysterious SK He's missing says, an N there. It needs to could, be SNK. And, uh, and there you go. Got some, we the got whole some company. real legitimacy. Yeah. yeah, the whole company just reaching out. <laughs> uh, dear Drunk Friend, your podcast is so enjoyable. I listened to the entirety of a recent episode despite having zero interest in college sports. That's good. <laughs> I was worried about that, Alex. I was like, people are going to hate this and unsubscribe. <laughs> but this guy suffered through it, so thank you, SK. He says, you both share a good rapport and that makes for great listening experience. They go on to say, on a side note, Earl was spot on when it comes to the pacing issues in Dungeons and Dragons. My kids got really into D&D Chronicles of Mysteria, or Mastara, 
um, Mistara? Mistara, yeah, that's what it's called. Uh, recommended by uh, SNES Drunk and Arcade Beat'em Ups, not ported to the SNES. It's a great four-player couch co-op and wanted to try traditional D&D. I've been playing as DM for the kids, and they have heated debates over small actions. Keeping the story going is like hurting cats sometimes. If you ever run out of topics and ideas, I think it would be entertaining for you to podcast your own D&D, invi- D&D adventure. Why is that hard to say? I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. Too many D sounds. Gosh. Must be all this pale ale. Uh, as she has prior experience, a good sense of humor, and a desire to keep a game moving forward, Pearl could make a great DM if she opted not to resurrect her character. Imagine the fun times you could have alongside musty hobbits, hungry gorillas, super derricks, and those who cannot be tamed. Just a suggestion. Thank you both for all you do. Sincerely, S and K. It's S K, but with the with the N, it's more fun. What a great email. I, I really like that idea. But um, yeah, I think. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons is pretty dang slow. It's like I just want to, <laughs> I just want to go up the stairs, okay? <laughs> I don't want to, you know, debate about like <laughs> you you put your foot on the first step and it's you know or whatever. I don't know. Like yeah. you just get bogged down in the details and stuff like that. I have heard some fun D and D podcasts though. I mean, it's it's not sure. impossible. I think it takes some really talented, not left-brained people. Oh, for sure, yeah, and that's. For those folks to just come up with that kind of stuff, I mean, I mean, I know there's books and yeah, you know, guidance that give you, uh, but there are people out there that can like pull that stuff like out of their heads, and it's like, how the heck do you do that? That's that's crazy, but yeah, yeah. I was actually on a podcast where it was they did a campaign. It wasn't it was like a, a Dungeons and Dragons adjacent campaign. And uh, it was a lot of fun. For some reason, though, it never got published. I don't know if it was because I was particularly bad or <laughs> or what, or if they just. I think there were supposed to be multiple parts, and for some reason, the second one didn't. They didn't schedule the recording, but mm. it was a lot of fun. Yeah, but it, I mean, you're right. It requires someone very talented to to lead you through it. At least the DM has to be very savvy to to make it entertaining yeah. for a listener. Yeah. And that's a lot of pressure and a lot of effort and a lot of preparation. <laughs> yeah. So I don't envy that person. By the way, uh, D&D Chronicles of Mistara is like legit. Like, If I ever get a chance to own an arcade cabinet, I that would be one of my choices. Like, I, That would be one I would definitely go after just to own. That's how good that game is. It's, wow. it's on the short list of cabs I want to track down and... <laughs> Maybe it'll sit in my office and collect dust one day. Who knows? I was going to say, like, a short list of cabinets just has to be, you know, the number that would fit in your house, right? <laughs> well, th- the thing is, is I do ha- would like to ke- I-, I would like to keep practicality in, um, in-, in mind because as much as I would love to own the six-player version of X-Men, that thing is going to weigh 800,000 pounds. It's going to yeah. take up, like, an entire room. And I love the game, but now not going to do that. But otherwise, yeah, it would just be their typical stuff, basically, like NBA Jam and Mortal Kombat 2, a Street Fighter game. Um, maybe something weird from Data East, since they've made so many strange games. Um, yeah, but Chronicles of Mistar it would, would maybe even be my number one choice. It's, it's that much fun. It's that good. Wow. You heard it here, folks. What do you what what would what arcade games are your go tos? Oh man, to stuff like that. Honestly, like, it is NBA Jam. Yeah, like, I 
I think that's the one I'm most skilled at, so that's the one I gravitate toward. Oh, that's right. You have a history with that game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I ranked runner up in a tournament. So that that makes me awesome. Not as abs- awesome as two other guys, but pretty cool. <laughs> that is legit. What and who who did you say you played as? Uh we were uh see they were Charlotte. I think we were the Jazz. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a you can't go wrong with Malone and yeah, and Stockton. And Stockton sure. Yeah, I think I can't remember. I do remember that the guys that won that tournament. And and for listeners, just to clarify, this was at Magfest. There were these guys who who were in this NBA Jam tournament. They had won it for like legend says six seven years straight. Well before I ever attended a Magfest, they had matching jerseys with their nicknames on the back. <laughs> they also looked good at basketball. Like they looked like if you had a basketball, they would beat you at the real game too. Oh. So they they were kind of threatening in two ways, and then my friend Dean and I we we entered the tournament. We had practiced at a buddy's house who has a main cabinet. We had played together. We we were both. You want to look for that partner that's good at defense. Everybody's good at offense in, in NBA Jam, but you yeah. got to find that player that knows how to you know get their shoves, get the steals, get the blocks. And yeah. we were both pretty good at that. So when we got into the tournament, it seemed like everyone else that was in this tournament had played these guys before. They knew them. And they were like, oh, those guys are back. And and no game was close. These guys were blowing guys out like 80 to 20. You know, and it's, you know, the quarters are super short. Like, it's hard to score 80 points against the computer. Like, yeah. doing it against other people is insane. And uh, they, they were blowing the doors off of everybody. And we had them like, it was like 45 to, to like 38 entering the fourth uh, quarter. And we had them on their heels like they were... You know, they were ahead of us and kind of comfortably, but they had never been this close uh, to, to losing, at least as far as I could tell. And not that day they weren't. But we ended up losing by like 15, 20 points. And um, still pretty cool, though. I mean, that it, it really won the cool. respect of everybody in the room that these two these two dudes could just walk in and, and put up a good NBA jam battle. So it was cool. Defense wins championships, folks. That's what they say. Yeah, that's, that's what they that's, say. That's what they say. Yeah, you're you're like the Jeff Fisher Tennessee Titans of NBA <laughs> Jam. You just grind it out, you know, make them play sloppy. Like that's 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 can be appreciated. Absolutely, man. It's my only claim to fame in life. So. <laughs> you know, other than that whole doctor thing, we, 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 <laughs> well, you screw bring all up that, man. Constantly. I, and if I could have walked away with that NBA Jam trophy, I would have immediately dropped out of school. <laughs> Go on the professional circuit. <laughs> yeah. Next, uh, or last, I should say, we have a uh, an email from Low Life Dirtbag. Oh man, this who's is, that? This is this is addressed to me. It says, "Drunk friend." Well, it's addressed to drunk friend, but he says, uh, "I'm a big fan of the podcast. I just wanted to let Alex know that I bought the SNES game Uncharted Waters: New Horizons from SuperGameStation.com simply so that he could not get it." I have no interest in this game, and I don't even own a Super Nintendo. <laughs> I am slightly fearful that Alex will show up outside my house now, though. He is jacked, and he used to play high, he used to play football in high school. Just last week, I heard a commotion outside my window in the early morning hours and looked out to see Alex flipping my car over and carving his name on the undercarriage with a shark tooth necklace. <laughs> Completely frozen by fear, I could do nothing but helplessly look on as he ravaged my only form of transportation. Wow. 
I fear that the next time he comes, he will not only take my Super Nintendo copy of Uncharted Waters New Horizons, mm-hmm. but also my life. <laughs> and I will be powerless to stop it. He used to play middle linebacker, and he could have made a career out of it had he not decided to work at the community college and start a YouTube channel. Yeah, you know, it's it's like community college, NFL middle linebacker. What, what am I going to go? Which direction should I go? And then yeah. it's just he he closes it out uh, sincerely low life dirt bag. But, Jeez, uh, this guy. Man. I mean, he's got you. He's got you pinned down, dude. Well, I'm just glad he's not the type that calls the cops because you know that yeah. that could have been a, a, a bad uh, situation there. But um, no, I, I he's just messing with me. I actually did get the game though. Um, nice. And I'm re- I'm really happy with it. Yeah, they shipped it super fast. It was like two day shipping. Super fast. And super game station. Yeah. And I love the game uh, because you've got six different uh, paths, story paths uh, to take with six different characters. There's like your typical pirate. Uh, There's another guy that just wants to map the world. There's a merchant, uh, that sort of stuff. And it's kind of like Sid Meier's Pirates, but uh, not quite as polished as that game, but it's... Easily the best Koei game on the Super Nintendo, I think. Right. But right. but yeah, I I'm, I it sucks that I had to resort to such violence to to get the game mm-hmm. from this guy and uh, you know destroy a perfectly good uh, 1976 Pinto. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, you know you got to do what you got to do. It's it's you know hopefully you learned a low life dirtbag learned a lesson. Yeah, I mean don't don't undercut SNES drunk. And why are you listening to this podcast if you don't own a Super Nintendo? Like, what are you even doing? Because <laughs> he just watched the videos and he's like, well, that would be neat. Yeah, <laughs> that might be fun. <laughs> uh, eventually, one day. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for that email. We, You know, the fun yeah, ones no, that, are, are fun. That, that was hilarious. Uh, I got a really good laugh when I first saw that. <laughs> so thank you for that. All right. Speaking of things that are awesome, we're going to kick it into the 90s music hour where I get to act like Howard Stern, and we're just going to play you some tracks tonight. <laughs> Lay some tracks down. <laughs> Your speakers will come on fire, man. That's how, that's how fire this discussion is going to be, because we're going to talk about our like our first cassettes or CDs, concerts, uh, what we first got ourselves into, what, music early on. Like, wow, What was your first exposure to to music and and all that sort of stuff how did you get what was like your first favorite band all right so actually remember this very vividly it's a very concrete moment in my life um i i think i'm a little bit younger than you so i was born in 1985 and so yep um when 1990 hit the legitimate 90s i had a i lived with a 16 year old girl my sister and she was all into the hair metal, as you could mm-hmm. imagine. Her wall was plastered with ripped-out magazine pictures of every long-haired, lipstick-wearing metal head, <laughs> you know, hair metal head uh, yes. of the era. You know, Poison, your Def Leppards. I mean, I could go on and on. They're all, they were all there. She loved all of them. What, did, was she even into like the lesser-known ones, like uh, L.A. Guns and oh, yeah. like Firehouse and yes, actually like she she went to see Firehouse. Oh, nice! In 1990, they opened for Warrant, and <laughs> I I obviously didn't get to go, but my mom and dad had to take her there because she was meeting a boy, and they were going there together. Uh-oh. But my mom, you know, she dropped her off at the Civic Center. My mom and dad did, and then we came back and we picked her up. Uh, after, uh, you know, obviously to make sure she was okay and came home. You know, it was the 90s, but we we had all seen Unsolved Mysteries. We knew people 
disappeared after concert. So well, we, uh, yeah. we we made sure she got home okay. But I I had um, you know she she had this warrant T-shirt, this uh, she's my cherry pie T-shirt for forever, and she she left it when she moved out, and it ended up being like my my night shirt. It was huge. It was like an extra extra large. My sister's not a big person. I don't know why she got a ba- like a baggy super baggy <laughs> shirt, but. I wore a warrant t-shirt well before, well, well after it was cool. <laughs> well after it was cool. I was going to say well before. Yeah, I don't know why really? I said before. Very, very, <laughs> very long after. But to, to speak of that, um, when I was five, I got a tape, like a tape cassette player. Really wanted one. I idolized what my sister did. She loved listening to music. She had a nice stereo. She was just blasting some tunes. So I kind of grew up listening to, you know, pretty, I, you know, hair metal is what it is. I still think it's good music to an extent i've certainly grown past it it's not my favorite thing now but at the time it was really cool and it was loud and it was awesome so when i got my cassette player for my birthday when i was five um my mom got me like this muppet babies and some fraggle rock now don't get me wrong i was down i listened to them you know front and back but i remember going to my sister and saying like hey sissy can i borrow one of your tapes and she lent me two. The first was Aerosmith's Permanent Vacation. Oh, great choice. Which was great. It had Ragdoll on it. Dude looks yes. like a lady. Oh, man. It was so good. And so, the B-sides on that are great, too. And then yeah. she also lent me, um, and I can't remember the name of the album, but it was uh, Robert Palmer, uh, <laughs> which is a little more poppy of the time, but very catchy still. We'll face it, dude. Yeah, yes, that very one hits. So those are like my only two tapes for a year. For so for like, you know, until I was six, I was an expert in those two tapes, and that <laughs> shaped me musically. I don't know how or I don't know if that's good or bad, but Robert I am Palmer of that pedigree. And, yeah, and and Aerosmith. Like you could have given me a thousand guesses. I think Aerosmith may have been one, but I'm definitely not guessing Robert Palmer. Yeah, right. And, he wasn't like a, a one-hit wonder. He had a few good, and of course, for those that don't know, he his claim to fame was were his music videos with all oh, the yeah. women mm-hmm. that all had their makeup done. Uh, they're wearing the tight dresses, and they they look really uninterested in what's going on. <laughs> and almost like he didn't pay them enough. It's weird. Yeah, it's like when's our lunch break? Like what, <laughs> how long do we have to sit here? But yeah, it's funny you 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 say that though because I have a very similar kind of upbringing with um, music for me too because my sister uh, she's ten years older than me so she was um, so that's kind of similar like she yeah. it was uh, uh, yeah sixteen when I was six and I was just kind of discovering music I'll never forget uh, just going through her tapes and opening up the cassette for Appetite for Destruction. Oh, and nice. seeing like the the artwork in there and it's got like that monster and that woman on the street and stuff and I was just like whoa this is the craziest stuff ever and when my my parents would leave my sister would put that would be the, her first choice was to put uh, appetite for destruction and she would ask me like hey what song do you want to hear and I wanted to hear night train yeah it's pretty ironic cause, considering that game is, or that uh, song is about a alcoholic beverage but right. um which you know, I don't. I didn't understand most of the lyrics I heard growing up until I was in my twenties. Yeah, yeah. The, some of the lyrics are pretty. Uh, I'll just say they're out there. Like, oh yeah. It's so it's so easy and my yeah. Michelle and stuff like that. Yeah, there's there's some pretty pretty rough stuff in there. 
Um, but in addition to that, uh, it, like you, I ended up getting some like Fisher Price uh, cassette thing, and so um, my sister was like, <laughs> classic, uh, classic sister move. <laughs> she was, um, she was like, oh hey Alex, I can give you a tape, and she gives me White Snake's Slip of the Tongue. And the only reason she gave me that is because she thought it had "Here I Go Again" on oh. it, and it di- and it didn't. It wasn't even the good White Snake album. No, it was the one that came after, and oh. it's, it it was bad. <laughs> oh no! So yeah, I got stuck with that as my first tape. After the first tape I bought with my own money was actually Roxette, uh, "Look Sharp," because I loved. Um, what was the first track on it? I got all their songs confused eventually, but I think it was yeah. Look sharp was was one of their singles, uh, and she's got the look. Oh, the look, that... I think it was just called. I loved that song. I still kid. like it. I dig it. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I Roxette is is good. I heard the singer passed away not too long ago, and I was really bummed yeah. out to to hear about that. But is um, Joyride is that the one you're thinking of? That, that might have been on there too. Yeah. Um, I can't remember, the thing but... is, though, here's how much of a prude I was when I was a kid growing up. Um, she, uh, very attractive woman, uh, the singer of Roxette, and mm-hmm. she's on the cover and uh, in the liner notes. In you can see like her bra and her bra strap. Ooh. So I'm like, I can't let anybody know that I have this because uh. I was <laughs> I was so embarrassed and like. <laughs> you know like just like ashamed i never would have gotten this had it had this in it you know i was so prudish um uh, so funny so so i i didn't really listen to it that much um i do remember the next tape i ended up getting was uh crisscross wow and, you were uh, all over the map yeah i was mtv like yeah. was my big exposure so i watched a lot of uh you know daisy fuentes top 20 countdown and uh I would, you know, stay up and sometimes watch uh, Yo MTV raps. Yeah. Just because those guys were so damn funny. Uh, the Ed Lover dance is legendary. Love that guy. Um, and yeah, it's uh, that was next. And of course, I, I'm sure you did this too. Uh, there was the classic refined art of uh, recording songs off the radio. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Did you, were you, did your tape player have that capability? It did. Um, a little more embarrassingly, though, and I'm sure I did it a lot, but by, I, I grew up in the country, and there's not a lot of good rock radio. Mm. And so I did go through a spell where, you know, probably the ages of seven to nine, spending a lot of time with my dad out in the pickup truck. I got a little into country music. I remember downloading, or not downloading, but recording country songs off the radio more than I do 90s, like, rock Sure, um, yeah. But I remember being like crazy about Billy Ray Cyrus's achy breaky heart, <laughs> like calling in the radio station and being like, I'm eight and you need to play this. I need this right now because I'm going to record it. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I just don't think you understand. <laughs> like, Wasn't why? that like the ad, the advent of uh, line dancing too? Was it? started to get really popular with that song or am I way off on that I, I mean I'm no expert in line dancing but <laughs> it was very I popular just remember, in the video yeah that's what it was that's what I'm thinking of it was the line dance in the video yeah and uh 90s country I I just remember Garth Brooks be, being this like huge mega superstar sure, sure he, yeah he like he like cha- kind of changed everything because before that 
Um, the only country music I knew was were my dad's old records from the seventies of like George Jones and yeah. Merle Haggard, uh, Waylon Jennings and those kinds of guys, Johnny Cash. But and then all of a sudden you got like Alan Jackson and and these other guys. Uh, uh, Garth Brooks was the big one, and it's like, is this even country music anymore? Like, <laughs> is this just like pop? Like, what's what's happening? I remember just being very confused by that. Yeah, it did feel very different. Yeah, and it's I've had this conversation with my buddy Jake, who uh, we will share a little bit from later. But we, you know, having grown up and perhaps where we did, but also just you know being around your parents and they're listening to their music in the vehicle, and my parents listen to country music. You know, I I don't remember loving or hating it then per se. It was just kind of on, but I definitely soaked it in, and to the point now that when I hear music, country music from that era. Um, there was a time where I was completely turned off by it and was like, blech, turn it off. But <laughs> I've kind of hit an age where it's kind of nostalgic. And if I'm around other people that know it, I have no issue just singing along. Yeah. Yeah. yeah kinda, I've kind of hit that point. Yeah. There, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's, no. It's not like Nickelback or anything like that. <laughs> where it's, it's like, oh, God, I, I, I can't have positive affiliations with, right. with this pandering nonsense. But, um, but yeah, no, that's... Uh, did you see any of those bands live? Because I'm sure they, you know, they're going to tour, you know, like somebody like Alan Jackson. They're definitely going to hit up your, your neck of the woods, I would think, right? Especially with the college town nearby. Um, I don't think so, actually. I mean, I, I know I never been to, well, I will say growing up, I never went to a, um, a country concert of any mm. merit. And even now, when I if I have to go to a good rock concert, I have to travel pretty far out. But I will say... Um, after the Nashville floods a few years ago, maybe a decade ago at this point, uh, Garth Brooks did put on like some cheaper, affordable shows at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, and I was like, nah, YOLO, and I went. And he's a he's a great entertainer. I think he's oh, kind of a psychopath, sure, yeah. but he's still pretty good on stage. Like he holds that up. dude scares me. Yeah, he he's he gets so into it. He has so much energy. It's like, how does this guy do this? But yeah. And he yeah. refers to himself in the third person as G, and that's really weird too. <laughs> that's funny because uh, my uh, my nephew's nickname is G, <laughs> so <laughs> it's just some weird connotations there. Yeah, this it's strange. Little fourteen year old kid, <laughs> G. But enough about country. Let's go into the grunge era because I think that's where probably yeah. we became more formative with our music tastes. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll never forget. Um, first discovering and again it was mtv seeing the video for smells like teen spirit and it was so different from everything you know because we're used to seeing like you talked about earlier hair metal we're used to seeing you know prancing around on stage doing flips and kicks and you know shaking their hips and stuff like that like poison motley crew uh and it was all very polished and very like high production value and here's Nirvana in this like dingy gym, <laughs> and you can't even see the drummer. You can't even see Dave Grohl's face because he's headbanging so hard, and you know you can't understand the words. But it's still strangely catchy and melodic, and it gets it was an earworm. It got stuck in your head, but it was heavy as hell and energetic. And th- like, there's a reason that song changed so much because Cobain had a real gift for melody. He knew how to come up with catchy melodies and that was his you know people always talk about him as a guitar player he wasn't that good of a guitar it's like you're missing the point he was a great singer and he was a great uh 
at coming up with uh, sing-song melodies. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge trait for really any successful band of that era. Like James Hetfield, not even sure. a great singer, not yeah. the best guitar player, but when you put all that in one package, you know, he's... Uh, it works. Yeah, responsible for, for some of the most... or for some of the better riffs and uh, melodies of that time, so... Yeah, I mean, I I have these these conversations with my friends too, where I think a lot of them are really jaded and just sort of over. And and certainly the grunge era has, has been overplayed since, and and that's yeah. it's it's lost its luster, and people are quick to turn on it, but they kind of forget what it was back then. I mean, it a lot of the music today wouldn't exist, and a lot of yes, I won't I won't say exist, but it certainly I don't know it, it mainstreamed a lot of the darker the darker side, I guess, of music, or at least opened the door to to angst that wasn't sure. really already open. Well, Cobain talked about this himself. I'm, I mean, I'm still a big Nirvana fan. I love um, In Utero is probably my favorite album, just because it, it feels kind of unhinged and crazy, but he's talked about um, in the past, uh, well, in the past, of course, but uh, <laughs> just edit that out. Um, <laughs> he talked about you know, as soon as uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit and Nevermind as a whole got as popular as it did, then it just became a contest of, like, who can find the next Nirvana? So we're going to sign every single band that kind of looks and sounds mm-hmm. and plays like Nirvana. So we were just inundated with all this other, you know, sound-alike stuff. And there's a funny story uh, from the band Collective Soul. I don't know if you remember them. Oh, I love, uh, yeah, I love them, actually. They were, yeah, they, their big hit was Shine, and this would have been like 94, 95, I think it was 95, actually, I, I think it was in 8th grade, but um, pretty good song, I like it. Um, it. It definitely sounded a little different, but it still had that kind of like grunge aesthetic. Absolutely. So, the, um, what's, what's, what's funny though, is that the singer uh, was interviewed about the video that they shot years later, and, you know, the, the I forget what record you know record label sign them or whatever but they were under orders basically to like okay we're gonna make a video for this song and you guys are gonna your hair is gonna be down and in your face and you're, you're gonna be wearing flannel and torn jeans and but and the singer was just like we don't do that though that's not what we are and he's like i don't care you're, if your video is gonna get any airplay you have to dress like this Wow. And then, <laughs> and sure enough, that song became a pretty big hit. It was everywhere for like a few months. But then after that, you all of a sudden you've got uh, other. You, you see the band who for who they really are. You see, you hear their other songs. You hear songs like December and Which Gel. Love, yeah, yeah, and that's a great they, album. They, yeah, they don't sound anything no. <laughs> like grunge or anything like that so i just thought that was funny that that that's just how the world was you know people act like that's still uh, you know it's a new thing to find a a sound alike or rip off or whatever or you know every game has got to be souls like now it's like no that's just how every medium ends up being it's like we need to find the next to this oh yeah instead of going after you know the first something else yeah, I mean, everybody that has a, I guess, a marketing interest in anything is going to try to copy the best. I mean, how many times? I mean, yeah. even in sports, like the next Jordan, the next. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. You always yeah. want the Kobe's next never going to be the next Jordan. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Speaking of collective soul, it reminded me of a thing 
Did you ever do this? Did you ever get the uh, like the the Columbia House or the or the was it the BMG or was it BGM? Uh, yeah, the the CD thing. Yeah, the the buy eleven or whatever for the price of one. My sister did that uh, like crazy. She abused the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she she was the one that did that. I did not. I think they were starting to like kind of fall out of style by the time I got my my CD player. I was stuck with cassettes until I think I was like fourteen or so. Okay. So I. And then CDs became a thing. Uh, but yeah. No, did, did you do that stuff, though? <laughs> yeah. I did it one time and kind of conned my mom into letting me do it. But, man, I loved it because that Collective Soul CD, the one with December on it and gel, was one of the ones I got. That's how I – you just yeah. jogged that memory for me. But yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was a good time. I actually – I also got Shaq. Uh, remember when Shaq rapped for, like, a minute? Yeah, and – I, I pointed that out when I when I did the video for Shaq Fu. I pointed that out, you know, as as kind of like a you know not so successful thing. And I got a whole bunch of people saying like, uh, Shaq's a good rapper. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I was like, he is. I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't know. I I don't take the time to listen to Shaq rap <laughs> of all things. Because I was I guess eleven or twelve when I conned my parents into doing that. I was interested in the Shaq CD, and yeah, I mean, there's definitely worse worst rap albums it was okay yeah i'd give it a three yeah. out of five three out of a solid three solid out of three. five yeah I, it's not an, not enough to get my endorsement I don't no think. no I, it doesn't I need still your don't endorsement. Think I'm gonna... <laughs> but you might Im- you might be impressed and say wow this isn't as bad as shack fu you might say that oh well that's that's certainly within the realm of possibility <laughs> i think uh even uh, stubbing your toe is better than Shaq Fu, <laughs> but we touched on uh, Nirvana. What were some of the other big name bands that you were into back in the day? Yeah, so the when I got my CD player, which was I remember was for my twelfth birthday, night or eleventh birthday. I'm sorry, 1996. I remember I got two CDs. I was still big into Aerosmith at this time, so I got big ones. It was hot. Oh, so all yeah, the 90s yeah. hits, some of the late 80s ones. Great record. Um, and some new stuff on it. And I also got Soundgarden's newest because I was a really big Soundgarden fan. That would and, have been Down on the Upside? Yes, Down on the Upside. And they had just released Burden in My Hand, which yes. I liked the video for. I really liked the song. And I was like, man, I got to have this CD. And I bugged my parents for it. And they could not find it anywhere. Like within our county, oh. it wasn't in our Walmart. We didn't have a lot of like CD stores. And I don't know if you've ever heard of, like, the shopping center Roses, but, uh-uh. th- yeah, it might, maybe it's a regional thing, but there was one in, like, a town over. My dad knew. My dad worked with a guy whose wife worked there, and they got her to put it on layaway. Like, it was this whole wow. ordeal just to get me the CD I really, really wanted. Um, but it was awesome. I mean, it was. I think it was the last one they put out before they broke up. Is that right? Yeah, unfortunately it was, yeah. I yeah. Soundgarden were, like, my band. They were, like, uh, I loved them more than any other band at the time. Uh, they were, like, my, my thing and what I was known for among my friends. It's like, oh, Soundgarden, that's Alex, you know. It's, oh, wow. I had, like, three different Soundgarden shirts, and, yeah, I was really, really into them. Uh, it's it, That started with uh, Super Unknown, and I went backwards from there. Or, yeah, Super Unknown. Went backwards from there with Bad Motorfinger and, and Louder Than Love and just Chris Cornell's voice, their guitar sound. The fact that they they didn't write conventionally, they had some weird 
the best example is a, is a track on Down on the Upside. It's called Never the Machine Forever. Yeah. And it's got this weird rhythm to it. And it's... And it's like... Mm-hmm. No other band was doing stuff like that, or at least not that I knew of. And that made them so much more interesting to me as a kid. And, of course, Chris Cornell's voice like, oh. soaring over everything was just awesome, Yeah, too. But, yeah, no, I was, I was hardcore into Soundgarden. Those, you know, it was hard not to be into all those bands. Like, I didn't, I wasn't that crazy about Pearl Jam, especially after, uh, I really liked Vitology, but I think, I forget what came out, I think it was No Code came out after that. And that one was kind of, eh, I wasn't thrilled with that one. Um, Stone Temple Pilots were okay. I thought Purple was pretty good, actually. I still listen to Purple every once in a while. Smashing Pumpkins here, too. Yeah. And that was a big deal for me in eighth grade uh, when that double album came out. And that felt like the biggest deal ever. I was like, holy crap, this is 80 gazillion songs. Yeah, it was, <laughs> and, it was a ton. And it was all of it was good and, you know, super high production value. Their videos were really interesting and, and cool and stuff. And, and uh, it was a huge range of different styles. Like, they had some tracks on that album that were, you know, like 1979. That's just a pop song. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then you got Bullet with Butterfly Wings, which will kick your ass. Dude, I love that song. I want to jump back to Soundgarden for a minute. What's your favorite song? Do you have a favorite? I I can't pick one. I will say um, it's it's really changed a lot over the years. Uh, Like Suicide was always a favorite. Oh, that's a good one. Especially when he does it... um, by himself the acoustic 12 string yeah that is that's always been way up there i really like their grittier old stuff like um gun uh, i think it's track three on uh louder than love that riff kills that just destroys it's awesome um god that's hard to pick what what would yours be i think probably my favorite in in thinking about like the one i listened to the most growing up I really love the day I tried to live. That might be. Oh yes, yes. That yes. might be number one for me. Um, that is way up there for me too. I remember the first time I heard that at my friend Adam's house. Uh, he was a huge Soundgarden fan too, and we would go to his house after school. We were in like sixth grade at the time, and he kind of sort of he had a guitar and he was learning, and um, yeah, we would listen. That was the first time I heard Soundgarden. I remember day day I tried to live came on. I was like, man, this song just freaking gets your blood going dude it's, it's got that good. great it's got that great chorus melody it's uh yeah, it has some I'd really love, good yeah. lyrics too it has some like deep if you're 13 lyrics but i still <laughs> they still kind of hold true for me so i don't hate on them but sure they're really solid also like yeah. jesus christ pose just that that oh my that God. riff at the beginning oh oh man and matt cameron the drummer has talked about, he says that's the toughest song to play no doubt and he's like when i when i see that on the set list i'm like okay deep breaths <laughs> let's get going here yeah and yeah i was lucky enough to see soundgarden live uh right after i moved to albuquerque actually in uh uh what was that 2014 2015 and yeah saw saw the guys and they played that and i was nervous going into that show because i didn't think cornell's voice would hold out oh man he's he still had it though yeah he definitely had it and he killed he crushed that song and yeah it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah, so here's is that's a good segue because so I've seen Soundgarden twice. I saw them once. They um, 
when they first, uh, you know, the last time that they got back together here, uh, their first tour, uh, they were opening for Nine Inch Nails, and I saw them. Oh, yeah. That was incredible. That's the same tour I saw them on. Oh, it was incredible. It was very cool. And then I saw them again in 2017 at the Carolina Rebellion one week before he uh, passed away. Oh, my God. I got lucky. I, I mean, honestly, I got lucky to see him right there at the end link. I, I almost didn't want to go to that, and I was, I'm was i a little upset still because they were the the last act, and I remember actually saying this. My buddy Jake was with me there, and it was getting late, and again, they were the last act, and we wanted to get a beat on traffic. It's a big music festival. And we were like, oh, yeah. all right, we'll, hey, we're, we'll catch Soundgarden again. Man, I've already seen them once. This is a great show, and I think I listened to them play. I can't remember what song. I think maybe it was... I think maybe they play Black Hole Sun. I was like, I just wanted to hear that one, then we can we can yeah. peace out. And I, I wish I'd have stuck around to the very end, man. But, mm. but uh, yeah, that that was really tough. And and just having seen them so recently, and then rolling over, you know, that morning and seeing a, a text from Jake who had gotten the news already, I, I, I it was sick for like a week. Like it it yeah. sucked. That is by far the hardest, uh, you know, it's it's easy to be like, well, it's a celebrity and you, you don't know them personally, but you kind of do feel like you know them personally because you've been listening to their music for 20 some years or however long. Yeah, the guy's and, been singing in my ear for 30 years. <laughs> like, yeah, I, yeah, I'll never forget that. I was, um, I got uh, out of bed, I turned my computer on Twitter, Chris Cornell is trending and I click on it and he's he's gone. Like yeah. I, I was in, sh- I like I. It took me like a full day to like for that to process, and I remember that was the day um, I signed up for Sirius XM Satellite Radio because they were oh. playing um, a concert of his that he did with, is a, a solo show, uh, he did with like a, a few other people, um, where he was playing some of his songs, he was playing Soundgarden songs, and it was just acoustic. There was a, a cello player there was a uh, another guitar player i forget what else there was but um yeah and i just listened to that all day and yeah that was ugh, that was that was rough yeah that's that that probably was the hardest hit uh music or really any famous person death for me even kurt cobain that was shocking at the time i remember i was sleeping over at my friend's house um we were up all night playing uh, nes games and um we got we got up and uh went upstairs and mtv news is on and all oh, that famous uh, kurt loader kurt loader yeah. that's right yeah he uh was going on and on about like kurt cobain i'm like what happened and and my friend's mom very flippantly said oh kurt cobain shot himself Jeez. I, was like, I was like what are you freaking and you're like real? what 12 or 13 i was maybe? 12 yeah yeah i just turned 12 and that's i was like just to take it's, it was just weird. It didn't seem real. I remember, though, uh, a few months before that, there was an MTV News thing of uh, he overdosed, I think, in, in Rome, Italy. Uh, I forget if it was heroin or pills or benzos or what it would have been. But um, I remember that was like a big scare. Like he OD'd and he's in the hospital and the tour is canceled and that sort of stuff. And and yeah that so it wasn't like completely out of nowhere but i do remember the way she said that oh kirk Cobain shot himself and it's just like huh like yeah really jarring but um 
Wow. Let's talk about something a little more fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's like, talk about was... Alice in Chains. Nothing bad ever happened to anybody in yeah. that band. <laughs> I did see Jerry Cantrell uh, and his band live at First Avenue. Uh, they did play, uh, like, Down in a Hole. Um, oh, I can't remember what else. They pl- they played a lot of stuff off the self-titled one with the three-legged dog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they played, like, Frogs, which was really cool. Um, yeah, I got lucky and, and actually saw them, of course, with William Duvall being the front man. I saw that they came yeah. pretty local to me, actually. This was when they, I think they were touring that the, the first Get Back Together album. Always catch bands when they get back together. I didn't get to see them in the 90s, right, in the heyday, so... Yeah. Yeah, um, they came to just it was a little venue too. Um, it seems like they warranted more. I was actually very surprised that the place didn't sell out. But it, hmm. dude, the vol sounds great. It sounds a lot like I mean he can play the old stuff. It sounds great. Yeah, he he's definitely impressive as heck. Um, yeah, I I'll be honest with you, Alice. If I were to rank the four. Or the, you know, it's always the big four. Mm-hmm. It's uh, in the, the Seattle bands. It's Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Nirvana, Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains is, is a, I wouldn't say a distant fourth, but they're pretty solidly fourth. Um, I love their quieter stuff, their EPs, like Sap and Jar of Flies. I think those are awesome. Um, I Stay Away is probably my favorite song from them. What about you? I'm I'm pretty big, pretty big into them. I would put them ahead of Pearl Jam. Um, although mm. I do like Ten a lot, yeah, it might be the strongest album of of either between the two bands uh, in my eyes. But yeah. I um, I don't know. There was something about that sound that that harmony and just you know Jerry Cantrell just knows how to make a guitar sound filthy. Like it just sounds sticky. And I like some of those riffs where it's like, wow, this is grungy as hell. This is like the definition. So I like a lot of the stuff. Um, that they do that's i don't know maybe not even radio friendly just because it's so grungy sounding the song that comes to mind is actually a newer song they did uh i think it's called check my brain yeah and just that riff yeah that guitar so sound it sounds like an airplane yeah. going into a dive yeah it's like just... like you have bees in your helmet like it does like <laughs> you should be afraid of whatever it is yeah oh man yeah no he that that sound is really i got really hooked on that song for like a few months yeah, it um, kicks. Yeah, I like that one. I like No Excuses. Uh, Stay Away is good. Um, Down in a Hole is is probably my favorite sing-along just because I think, I, I you know, that's of all the Lane Staley tracks, that's yeah. the one where In My Car By Myself, I think I'm getting close on that range. <laughs> You're belting that one out. Yeah, man. It, that, that's a fun sing-along. And that's another thing about them, too, is that I feel like a lot of their um, – a lot of their tracks and and a lot of their choruses are very sing along friendly, which which honestly, it helps me out a lot when I to, to like a band if I can also belt it by myself alone in my car. Of course, <laughs> absolutely, and I think that's true of um, every band we've talked about so far. Really, like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, mm-hmm. Stone Temple Pilots, even like Scott Weiland. That was the thing about these bands; they were all rock bands. They all sounded a little similar to each other. Um, in that they were, you know, four or five piece rock bands, but their singers, their voices, like Eddie Vedder, Billy Corgan, uh, they, if you heard like just one second of one song, you immediately know who it is. Oh yeah, they're just very, very, very distinctive. I think I think some of that's been lost recently in recent years with a lot of modern music. Like there aren't very many distinct voices or 
uh, distinct uh, melodic senses, I guess you could say. Yeah, you, you can even go down the line with guys like Mike Patton. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big Trent Reznor guy, but he had a, a really distinctive voice. You, you knew it was him immediately. You could even say guys like Morrissey on The Smiths. Like, <laughs> I don't like Morrissey, but I mean, I know it's him immediately. Anthony Kiedis is another one. Yeah. Like, it just seems like that's kind of a lost art where where folks uh, have, uh, you know, you just, it takes one split second. It's like, oh, that's that's Radiohead. That's Tom York or, yeah. or whatever. And I think, I, honestly, I think a big part of that, too, I'll defend modern music a little bit and say, because the way that we ingest music is so fragmented, we're not all listening to the same thing. Because I remember, like, in the 90s, they were playing those bands over and over and over, and it was to yeah. the point where I could hear a chord and be like, that's this band, this song, this album, that's this band, this song, this album. But <laughs> now we don't, we don't have that shared lo- uh, music listening experience. Everyone's taking in precisely what they want to listen to, while music is like ubiquitous and extremely shareable, I, you know, aside from, you know, the Discord feature where I can kind of, you know, uh, spy on what other people are listening to, I don't really sure. listen to music with other people. So it's, I don't get that connection to, to a lot of bands. And I end up funneling down and just listening to the same stuff I grew up listening to a lot of the time. But I think there's something to, um, you know, I, I just don't take in a lot of new music for some reason or another. Yeah, no, that's that's a really, really good point. Um, I guess all we're left with when it comes to a communal experience with music is is just concerts. Because, yeah. you know, radio stations, like, who listens to regular FM radio now? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who wants like to put who, up with all honestly, those? Honestly, who? Uh, who? Who wants to listen to all those freaking commercials? Email us at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com if you listen to the <laughs> who, radio. Who listens to FM radio if it's not, like, you know, at least AM radio has, like, the weather and news and like you know uh out here that we get the dodgers yeah so uh because we, you know, podcasts are your radio now we're your radio now you yeah we that's right look at look at me i am the radio now i think you have a pretty fun story regarding a certain band on this list here that i want to get to but at, but first i want to let people know how they can perhaps take in more music content on our little podcast network if they want to uh, my podcast host, co-host Jake uh, from the Polykill Podcast. Uh, for those of you who don't know, if you haven't gone over and listened to the Polykill Podcast, uh, I'm joined there by Jake. We talk about video games, but Jake actually, it, music is probably more his passion than video games. He writes for uh, a music, uh, a journalistic thing online. Uh, he's uh, he's extremely versed in all genres of music, inside and out. Uh, knows the modern stuff inside and out, all of that. And he's starting a podcast called Music That Makes Me, where he points toward uh, a certain genre of music, a certain band, uh, maybe some songs, and talks about the emotions that that's, that that music kind of elicits. So it's not it's not your typical music podcast where it's like what we're doing, which is just reminiscing. Uh, it's a little more tangible than that, and it's something that I think a lot of people can take from. And so I want to play uh, this plug from Jake. Uh, for his new podcast that's coming out. Hopefully some drunk friends will will check it out, give it a download, and maybe learn about some new music that they hadn't heard before. Hello, everyone. This is Jake from Polykill. I'm here to let you know that I'm working on a brand new music podcast called Music That Makes Me, and it's about my musical journey and how different emotions and ideas and adjectives sort of factor into my musical experience. And I want to share that with you so maybe you can find something cool to listen to you haven't heard before so stay tuned for that 
Uh, we'll update you on Polykill or Drunk Friend when that is available. All right, so that was Jake. Hopefully you guys check that out. You can go to polykill.com. We'll let you know when it's coming out, and you can hopefully download that. And I got that out of the way because I don't know that Jake is the biggest fan of Tool, but Alex, I think I've been saving this part of the show for last because I think very early on in our casual text-to-text relationship, when Tool came up, I think we kind of knew this relationship was going places. We both like Tool. We both (laughs) like video games. We're, We're bros for life. So you're a big Tool fan, right? I am. Uh, I have a, I have a very long storied and complicated history with the band Tool because um, yeah, when, when I first discovered them, uh, I think I heard Stinkfist on the radio. Oh my god! It's like <laughs> hook this up, to, hook this up to my veins right yeah. now. Like this is everything I've ever wanted. Um, yeah, it, it would just hit every you know. It checked off everything off the list. Had the awesome gritty guitar sound, great drums, the the angry pissed off singing. So I went and got that, and I went and got uh, Undertow a few weeks later, and um, I actually ended up meeting Pearl through the band Tool uh, through a friend, and we did not get along well. <laughs> at really. First. Yeah, no, I was a much different person when I was in my 20s. I was really kind of pissed off and, you know, uh, cynical and just not a pleasant person to be around. And uh, Pearl was Pearl. She was, you know, extremely, um, you know, just just bubbly and happy. She's a fun person to be around. She's the person type of person where it's like, you don't get along with Pearl? What's your problem? Like, there's something wrong with you if you don't like her. So... Well, I'm, I'm biased when I say that, obviously, but I know it's just that just goes to show like how the the connection that I have with Tool. It's you know I met uh, her through, so I've known her for almost twenty years now, and wow. it's all because so you, of. So your review of is twenty uh, twenties. Alex was not worth meeting today. No, hell no! Don't <laughs> ever meet that guy. Freaking yeah. slam the door in his face. Don't meet that um, guy any way you can. <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done. Um. Yeah, it was um so okay, I really liked Tool. I Lateralis came out and I just wasn't feeling it all that much. Um there's a few tracks on there I like, but I just didn't it seems like uh I didn't like the ch- the more, more polished sound that they had. I didn't like the the drum circle type stuff they were starting to do. Um and all like the the Alex Gray imagery and all that. I was I just wasn't really feeling that. Um, and then, so fast forward to twenty or uh, tw- 2006, um, everybody's on edge for the next Tool album. It's been five long years. Uh, there's rumors and all that sort of stuff. And at the time, in 2006, I wrote and recorded music. And I did it by myself in my crappy one-bedroom apartment on a Tascam 424, which is like a little four-track uh, recorder that you can you know, layer four different tracks on. And what I would do is I would take this crappy drum machine, uh, come up with a beat and, you know, sequence it a certain way, put it on one track, put guitar on the next track, bass on the next track, and uh, my vocals on the next track. And what I like to do back then was I like to kind of make fun of bands um, in, in a loving way. Like I've, I've uh, so, so for, yeah. So what I, what I can do, what I was uh, hoping to do with Tool is that uh, I wanted to kind of make fun of them because their fans, and Jake will attest to this, 
fans can be kind of obnoxious. And Tool fans in particular, kind of obnoxious. And uh, so, and I, 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 I'm guilty of being kind of annoying too. But anyway, the point is, what I ended up doing was I made a song making fun of Tool. And I even pinched my nose and tried to sound like Maynard, you know, and this is, this is how he talks. He's very comfortable, very vulnerable. And you know, I, that just came naturally to me and it cracked my friends up. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do a full tool song. And I, and all the lyrics are just about like how they're big, rich rock stars and all their fans are idiots and they're, they'll buy anything they put out and that sort of stuff. So I send this to my friend drew, um, he listens to it and he's like you know what you have to do with this right i'm like no what he's like you you got to put this and this is 2006 you got to put this on myspace and pass it off as a real song and i'm like nobody's gonna buy that it's one guy recording a song by himself in an apartment this doesn't sound like tool he's like no dude i think people are gonna like like people are gonna get fooled by this (laughs) so i i I created a myspace and called it it was just myspace.com slash uh, new tool single or something like that. Yeah, and it it ended up getting something like four thousand plays in a couple days, and it ended up getting taken down. And I got a very mean letter from Tool's lawyers <laughs> <laughs> saying, "Stop putting this garbage out." And uh, yeah, so it, it's I have a complicated history with that band. I did hear through the grapevine though that um, the bass player Justin Chancellor heard the song and thought it was funny, and that he laughed, and that's like one of the biggest compliments I've ever yeah, gotten. Yeah, absolutely. In my life, like, I mean, about I think those ever. guys have they have to have a pretty good sense of humor about sure how they're viewed and who they are. I mean, yeah. You know, they don't live in an Alex Gray wonderland. They are just people. <laughs> and except for maybe, you know, I don't know. I think, uh, what's his face? Adam. Maynard. He might. Adam Jones oh, might. Because doesn't he make yeah. like, like creature costumes and stuff? He might live in a dystopian nightmare. <laughs> he, yeah. He was um, in, a, in movie effects and special effects. Yeah. Uh, practical effects before he did uh, Tool. And I think he worked on both terminator 2 and i want to say jurassic park was the other movie that he worked on and, interesting uh, guy yeah really interesting guy yeah for sure uh dude that's that's incredible so did you get any feedback from like people that downloaded it were people mad yeah. when they oh were, like... yeah and my friend drew was absolutely right people thought it was freaking tool <laughs> they thought it was real i had one person say is this weird al i'm like what the hell is wrong with you Do also you guys a compliment ears? I know, right? Weird Al's one of my heroes, but um, yeah, people th- people thought it was legit. Oh, this is a joke, but from the band, blah blah blah. And I'm just sitting here with my head in my hands, like I cannot believe this actually worked. Wow! And I, I, Drew is just laughing hysterically. He's just sending me text after text of ha 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 ha. Look at this comment. Ha ha ha. He's like linking me to comments Jeez. and stuff. Look at this idiot. Ha ha ha. It was it was surreal. It was very strange. And it was also very strange to get that letter in the mail uh, saying, like, take this down immediately <laughs> or suffer the consequences. How did they how did they get your address uh, through it, when you created a MySpace music site? Oh. You needed a contact gotcha. uh, information. All so right. I think that's because of situations like that, actually, that now sense. that I think of it. But, yeah, no, the the yeah the Internet was a very different place back then. But 
But yeah, that's my tool song story. Do you still and you have can, the what's, cease and desist letter? I lost it in a move, Ugh. unfortunately. It's I, I know. Otherwise, I, I would have had a scan of it or something. But I don't know where it is. I can't find it. But yeah, no, it was from uh, Zoo Entertainment, Volco, Volcano Entertainment. They're like label, and, it, and it's addressed from like some lawyer guy with a fancy title, their legal department or something like that. And yeah, it was... I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> it's, it's that whole experience was, and it was within a matter of days too. Like this didn't happen, you know, it, it, over a period of like weeks or anything. They were on that like immediately. And I was like, holy shit, these people aren't kidding around. But uh, yeah, yeah, no doubt, dude. Fun. Like, and, and I guess people should be let in on it. The, um, the title of the song was the 81st oh, yeah, Chakra of Annihilation, which is the most tool-ass sounding name of anything I've ever heard. That might be the name of Maynard's cat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot to say the title. It's I wanted to come up with the most ridiculous, like, yeah, like you said, tool-sounding title. While, you know, it's so, yeah, it's the 81st Chakra of Annihilation. And um, it's somebody actually took it, sped it up, and re-uploaded it to... Uh, youtube for some reason uh, so if you want to search that you can find it um i just bear in mind i have nothing to do with that video uh i made the song and but uh i i did not upload the video so any weird imagery or whatever you see on it uh yeah don't uh don't associate that with me please <laughs> there is one from it says sir wheeze the 81st chakra of that annihilation was, yeah that was me yeah that was my name nice um, 12 I, years ago my, music handle it's another lifetime ago man i was doing i was doing different stuff i you were big yeah. on youtube before you were on youtube <laughs> that's incredible it's just that it's just that video though and that's <laughs> not even my video <laughs> yeah but oh, um that's so yeah cool. i that was kind of my my thing was i i loved making fun of uh bands um like what <laughs> One really, and it didn't matter how dumb it had to be. Like one other thing I did was called uh, James Hetfield and Rob Zombie sing "Mary Had a Little Lamb." <laughs> that sounds and like a Jim Brewer bit. <laughs> and that's that's all it was. Yeah, it was just <laughs> "Mary Had a Little Lamb," <laughs> and, and then it's just Rob Zombie going "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> that's all he does. Is that still song. around? I have it on an external hard drive Ugh. somewhere. I, I can I can if you really want to hear it, I can I do I can send it to you. I do okay. so bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's no, awesome. that's what I would do though. I would I would just make dumb little songs like that. I I made fun of typo negative. Oh. Um they had they had a hit song called Black Number One. Yeah. I made a Black Number Two, <laughs> which is about uh unfortunate bowel movements. Oh, that's the uh, best. That was way back. That was when I was like 18. That was one of the first songs I made. Um, and so the sound quality is just utter trash. Yeah. But uh, R.I.P. Peter Steele, man. What a legend. Oh, man. I, I That's the band. We were going to talk about concerts. Um, just to mention real quick. I don't run out of time here. But um, that's the band I saw the most often. Uh, I saw. It, I was lucky enough to see Typo four different times. Dang. And they brought it every time. They're fantastic. I didn't know you liked Typo Negative. Dude, I, of course. Oh, man. Yeah, the, Typo the is one of my The way he says all... uh, milk white neck. <laughs> it all to milk white neck. <laughs> I you mean, like, really... every consonant has its own room. It's yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pete Steele is uh, an absolute legend. He, uh, 
one quick story here. Um, I was dating a girl back in high school, and she was 17, and we went to see Typo for the first time. This would have been 99, so it was after World Coming Down came out. And, you know, we're teenagers. It's, it's like October, I think. It was a weekend. So we were like, let's wait outside the venue after the show and see if we can see the band. And sure enough, yeah, here comes Kenny, who's really short, by the way. There's Josh. There's um, Johnny, the drummer. And then here, like, a long time passes, and the door gets kicked open. Peter bellows out, yo! <laughs> and he's got a giant deli tray and a beautiful woman on each arm. Of course. And <laughs> he's just, he walks down the stairs. He's got this ridiculous deli tray full of, like, che- cheese and meat and stuff. He's, like, <laughs> seven foot eight. Yeah, he's this giant. He's like a seven foot eight Bruce Campbell. <laughs> it was just—I'll never forget that visual because I was like, "Holy shit, this guy looks like a freaking superhero!" Yeah, like, god damn. Gone yeah, too I saw soon, them like man. Four, four times. Yeah, too soon for sure. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I wish I could have seen those guys. Ah, they were—they were great. Yeah, they—they—they uh, they, they played a lot of interesting cover songs. They play. I remember one. Uh, show they opened with a cover of um pink floyd in the flesh which was awesome yeah all right well i guess based on the time of the show we you know we didn't touch on a few things you know we didn't get the radiohead we didn't uh we barely talked about metallica didn't talk about metallica i didn't get to cry about how much i actually love lateralis and i'm upset that you don't like we didn't even get to any of that so we might have to do a part two which is good because who knows we might be running out of topics before too long so a part two to 90s music is probably warranted yeah it's in the, it's 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 i'm already thinking of, of other stuff we can talk about for sure yeah and uh yeah i didn't even talk about uh the minneapolis death metal scene which was pretty hilarious wow and, yeah and funny stay yeah. tuned to episode two of the 90s music podcast for that i'm excited about that one so before we, we get out of here there's some listener questions that are more video game centric so we're going to bring it all the way back from seattle to video games here <laughs> uh, the first one, and uh, Alex, I, I don't know if I could pronounce this guy's last name. Are you familiar with John? I am not. Uh, I, I recognize the name. I know he's been on Patreon for, for quite a while now. So thank you, John, for being a patron, and thank you for the question. Yeah. Um, John, uh, I'm going to take a stab at it. Zahor, and I have no idea. There's a C in there and a Z. I went with the Z. So. Kazor. 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 Maybe I don't know. Uh, uh, sorry, John. It's a cool name, John. I like it a lot. Do, he yeah. he asks, "Do you play video games outside of what you play for content for the channel?" That's the first question. So we'll go ahead and answer that. I do. I'm playing Rage Two right now, and I enjoy that game a lot. Yeah, I get hooked on certain types of games. Uh, I remember a few years ago, I got absolutely obsessed with Stardew Valley. Um, to the point that I actually did an LP for it on my channel that got like zero views, but <laughs> I loved that game. Um, I got kind of sick of it after a while because you get to a point where you're making like 80 gazillion dollars and you kind of run out of stuff to do, but, um, I might come back to it later, but yeah, there's, there's other games like don't starve. I'm playing that all the time. It's uh, a survival adventure game. It's brutally difficult, but I really like it, but yeah, it's usually stuff like that. Real simple stuff. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I do have to play a lot of other games because I chronicle all of those in my other podcast, Polykill. Like, it's mm. it's it, I it's my homework. Like, I have to play and beat games or else there's nothing for us to talk about. So, you know, no pressure. Um, <laughs> the other half of his question is, do you play any other types of games? He says, uh, board, tabletop, RPG, magic, Pokemon, etc. 
Are you into any of that stuff? Are you social with your gaming? Not really. Um, no. <laughs> uh, no, I, I did used to play uh, Magic the Gathering when I was a kid, when I was 11 or 12, but I thought the rules were too slow. So my uh, childhood best friend Dan and I, we were just like, what if you just tapped mana anytime you wanted? And sure enough, like, so all of a sudden our matches are, you know, 15 minutes long instead of, you know, however many hours. And it was more fun that way. So, yeah. No, I, I outside of that, I never really uh, played much of uh, Pokemon came after I was, you know, I was too old by the time. That I was like 13, 14. I was I'm too cool for this kid stuff. So never really got into Pokemon. But do you do any, like tabletop stuff uh, not really i have some friends that are into it i've been tempted just because you know the socialization aspect like if it's okay that i'm bad and get drunk i'll do whatever you want me to do <laughs> that's a good what that's a good attitude yeah and we might have to do that for that potential Dr- dungeons and dragons <laughs> podcast episode that could be fun i think that could work it could be fun it's pretty ambitious yeah we got to but... get a good dm that's the big thing yeah, we got to get vin definitely. diesel we could do it. That's right. He's a huge fan. We have huge clout. We can get him. <laughs> Robert Ring, our old friend. Uh, we're actually going to be appearing on his podcast. That's the Classic Gaming Podcast, available at pl- ClassicGamingPodcast.com, coincidentally enough. Hmm. Um, we're going to be on there recording on Tuesday. I'm not sure when the episode will post, but we'll certainly let you know when that happens. I've known Robert for years now. He's an awesome guy. Um, he says, I'd like to know what games you both have been the most addicted to. Uh, well, I, I can think of a couple off the top of my head. Uh, the first being one that's, you know, no stranger to being brought up on this podcast, uh, the NCAA football games, I think. Yes. That was a very yeah. strong addiction to the dynasty mode. Yeah, that was my first thought, too, was like my Madden 08 <laughs> <laughs> franchise that I still mess with every once in a while. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah, and to the point that, like, I had, you know, the game only tracks so much in terms of your legacy. I had spreadsheets like Google Docs of, like, who my oh, best man. players were, you know, the schedules that year, home and aways, you know, all of that stuff, all of the Heisman stuff. Like, I really, I, re- I mean, I still have it. I, I stopped playing That's it, but awesome. I kept those spreadsheets because, like, when I come back in year 15, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna go out, you know, to, to maybe a Mountain West school, try to try to get the Lobos on the map. You know? Oh yeah, they need a little that? love, or go to they the Wyoming, yeah, get they're... those cowboys going. So, <laughs> I've always I'm very ambitious with that one. I would say another one, uh, Sim City Four. Now I I grew up playing like all the old school Sim Cities, but Four hit me right in college when I had Ethernet and I could pirate it, <laughs> and so yeah. uh, I played that a lot, like way I had too much. Four too, and that was a real leap over Sim City Three Thousand. Yeah. Um. And, uh, oh, man, the stuff you could do. I almost got overwhelmed by that one because there was so much stuff you could do. So I, I did put a, quite a bit of time into it. But, yeah, it's definitely a good game. It's definitely better than the latest SimCity game oh. from, like, 10 years ago. Gosh. I was so looking forward to that. And it was just a All the ploppables. Complete... Oh, it breaks my yeah. heart. Yeah. Sucks, the city but... sizes were as big as, you know, you feel like four houses and a water tower. It's not a, <laughs> that's not a city. <laughs> Right. I never got yeah, into an MMO or any of the thing, any of the games, or like a, um, you know, what are they called now? Battle Royales. I never got into any like a live action, not live action, but like, like a live and everyone's doing it and it's constantly changing. I never got into any game that 
that the heartbeat of the world was sort of focused on. I'm a very late adopter, so I, I don't get addicted to the things that uh, a lot of other people are playing, unfortunately, like WoW or anything. Same, and I deliberately stayed away from that stuff because I knew I was going to get addicted, and uh, I knew I was going to just like waste all my free time playing it. So I just was like, you know what, I'm not even going to. But um, one type of game that's, I don't know if it's kind of similar, but uh, our real-time strategy games like Age of Mythology, mm. I put so many hours into that game, and I still really like to just play the computer every once in a while. I'm not even that good. I just like playing as... Norse, I like playing as Loki and getting the dragon and just wreaking havoc on everything. Uh, yeah, that 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 one is way up there. And there's two you just you since you mentioned the online capability thing. There's two that um, I just thought of just now, and they're both 3DS games. And it's Mario Kart Seven. Uh, I would play online uh, against uh, eight or seven other complete strangers across the world. That was super fun when that was up. Oh, cool. Um, to the point that my thumbs and my hands were cramping like crazy. <laughs> um, and similarly, there's, there was uh, Mario Golf on 3DS, and that had, like, big-time tournaments. I was finishing, like, in the top 30. You know, there were a couple thousand players. Wow. And I was, like, I was getting really good at that game. And then they just shut down the, the online things. Oh. They stopped doing tournaments. And I'm like, well, that sucks. But, yeah, I, I sunk a lot of time into that. Yeah, I, the only other answer I could think of was uh, I did have The Simpsons tapped out on my phone, just like mm. the little mobile game where you, you build something and then wait a day and it's there, and it had me on that hook. Like, I just wanted to see all of the different Springfield items, and I, <laughs> they just had me, man. I had to buy things with donuts. Like, if I wanted to get the bowling alley and get Barney, I'm like, God, i got to save up for 12 donuts. It's going to take me a week. <laughs> I, did, I didn't how... spend any money, thank God, but... Yeah, no, that's I, it's it's. I was just gonna say it's one of those free to play, mm -hmm. but pay to get anything, to get any actual progress. Basically, yeah. yeah, that's how those games get you every time, every time. Well, I think if anything's been gotten, it's this podcast. I think we're about wrapping it up here. We talked about '90s music, everything from you almost joining Tool to, <laughs> uh, you know, sadder I, I don't stuff think they about like me too much. What's that? I don't think they like me too much. I'm not sure they're that fond of me, or at least their lawyers aren't. <laughs> Justin Chancellor's a huge fan, and that's gets. And you know, Danny Carey who isn't mad. He smiles all the time. He's never frowned. Oh, Danny! Danny Carey seems like just the nicest guy. Yeah. Like I really want to meet him. I'm not usually like that, like a starstruck type person. But if I saw that guy's arms in person, I'd be like, oh my god, <laughs> this guy, this guy is a beast. Yeah, man. I'd let him sign me or whatever. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I guess that does it. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. That's been another Drunk Friend podcast. Again, be sure to check out polykill.com. You can hear Jake's Music That Makes Me podcast very soon, as well as a, a, a litany of other podcasts there, including Polykill, Tales of the Lester Medium, uh, the Off-Kilter podcast, which I never bring up here, uh, and, of course, more Drunk Friends. Also, and once again, remember, you can reach out to us at drunkfriendpodcast at gmail.com if you want to drop us a line, ask, a, ask us a question, or uh, anything you want. If you'd simply like to help out the show, please remember to rate and review us wherever you listen, whether it's, you know, whatever these podcast services are called, uh, Bing Watch and <laughs> Google <laughs> Google Thrust, or, you know, I don't know there's 800,000 formats. But no matter what you listen to on, whatever, how, what's the right phrasing? Whatever you listen to the show on, if that makes, I'm losing it. 
and I, I need to go listen to some Soundgarden, I think. <laughs> but just just remember to rate and review us wherever you listen. Yes, especially on Google Thrust. We're also on Twitter. <laughs> I'm at TravPlaysGames. Alex is, of course, at SNESDrunk. And you can follow Jake at the McAxel. And as usual, we want to give a shout-out to Cooler for the podcast music. The song that you hear at both the beginning and the end is called Electric Starbounce, and you can find a link to more of his music on the Buzzsprout podcast page. All right. Be sure to catch us all on YouTube, and thanks for listening. And we hope you have a great rest of your day. Yeah.